four is what you yell out when you botch a putt. And when you reach the fourth episode, let's tap into the podcast. It all begins with two mini golf nerds meeting in person on the set for the wildest mini golf TV show ever. I'm Tom and go by the name Mr. T. Combined with my wife, the pink putter, we're a couple of putts. We build, design, and consult on mini golf projects across the world. We document our adventures playing courses spanning the globe, along with our mini golf creations over at acoupleofputts.com and on social media at Couple Putts. And I'm Pat, and in mini golf circles, I'm known as the Putting Penguin. I run the mini golf course review website and social media conglomerate, The Putting Penguin. I'm also a competitive mini golfer, having played in over 60 tournaments. This year, we took our talents to a podcast after spending 2020 live streaming We're Gonna Need a Bigger Windmill, our Facebook show that covered the U.S. Season 2 of Holy Moly, along with other mini golf topics. You can find that show in the archives of our respective websites. Thanks to the wonders of technology, we're here to start the run of this podcast, recapping the Australian Holy Moly Season 1, as well as the entire realm of mini golf across the world. We... Well, at least I unfortunately know what it's like to plunge into the freezing cold water on the other side of midnight and very chilly temperatures. We both know the excitement and nervousness that comes with the high stakes putting for pride and prizes. And we know the rush of adrenaline that comes from having success on these one of a kind putting structures that really only a handful of competitors and production staff have ever played. You'll get some spoilers and references to the U.S. show on today's podcast. So you've been warned. If you want some visuals to go along with our descriptions, check out Podcast Mini Socials later in the week. Thanks for coming along with us, and we thank you again for your grace as we dial in our audio. We're way behind the pace of the airing of the episodes. Eight have already aired over in Australia on broadcast TV, and by next week, the entire 11-episode season is going to be already over. Within 21 days, we're going to plan on taking our time talking through the episodes, much like we did during a discussion of the season two of the U.S. Holy Moly episodes. We want to highlight all the competitors as we all share a unique bond of putting in this magical and fun world. That being said, this really wasn't one of our favorite episodes, so we're going to try to blast through this one. So hold on as we attempt to pick up the pace a bit. Here's a quick recap of the format for this episode. There's eight competitors, four men and four women, who go head-to-head in a bracket, one whole tournament, with each match held on a different hole. There's no distractor to this episode as one woman and one man will look for love and a chance at 100,000 Australian on the final hole. So since you are here, don't forget to subscribe and give us a hole-in-one rating. And with that, let's head to Holy Moly Scramble Time in our recap of the matchups. We start out this episode on Polcano. We have Scott, who's a model, question mark, versus Justin, who has an unfortunate cowboy hat and is a marketing manager. So as you're kind of getting a sense of how we're feeling about this episode, we don't really love the reality dating show meets holy moly. So we're going to kind of move fast. But um, we're going to talk about this whole volcano a little bit later in design time with Mr. T. Both of the competitors hit the ball up the plinko into the rough and... As with everybody on this hole, they wipe out trying to zip line against this huge pole sprouting out of the water. Justin overshoots the rough to the other hazard, and Scott hits it in the sand. Both of them not great putts. Scott hits it out of the sand and in. Justin misses and goes home with his cowboy hat. And the shirtless model dude, Scott, he wins. On to the next hole. 
Second hole up is Frankenput, and that's going to put our first two women competitors out there. So this is a new hole for this Australian season, and it's a reuse of a USA Season 2 hole. There's been some minor adjustments that Mr. T will cover in a future design time. In short, it's an angle right, dogleg right shot after you get past the initial array of obstacles, and each time you miss a putt, you get shocked. So our two contestants starting off were Gastaria, a 19-year-old Lithuanian, and another rapper on the show. She was up against Anna, a 20-year-old disability support worker who likes mini golf because it's less walking time. You're being very generous calling her a rapper. (laughs) I'm just going by what they call themselves. (laughs) Anna gets up first. She has a good first putt and leans into the drama of being shocked. Meanwhile, Gastaria has a terrible first putt, but managed to get back into contention after winging a second shot that bounced her back towards the hole. Anna has a nice run on her second with a tap in three, and Gastaria can't quite sink a double hump shot into tie. Quick hole note. This is the first drop of the word shit during the run of the season. And as Americans, we were surprised to hear this on network television. This ain't no Disney show in Australia. So with that, Anna wins and we're on to the next hole. I guess we're going to have to put a, a warning on this episode or something. Our next hole, uh, f- funny enough, goes over to Uranus, a hole that we've seen a few times. It's an oversized space themed hole with a big arc for the ball to travel on and mock versions of the planets for the contestants to attempt to cross on. They look like wipeout balls, if you've ever seen it. We have Peter, who is a chippy, which is a carpenter, and Brayden, who's in HR. Uh, They really pronounce out that H in Australia. Both of them hit it over. Peter ends up in the sand, and Brayden's about six feet out on the other side of the cup. Both of them with this hole try to attempt to go across, but they get wet and a stroke penalty. So on the second putt, Peter nails it out of the sand and puts it in the cup. Brayden has a really nice line, leaves it short, heads home. Peter's our next winner, and we go on to the next hole. And Peter getting dubbed a little bit of a double of Prince Harry by Mr. Riggle, which immediately made him like him because I'm a big Prince Harry fan, as I'm sure some of our UK followers probably are. Ditto that. All right, I'm up for hole four, and you actually get me for three holes in a row due to the way this show format played out. Um, Tom (laughs) will bring us back in the final, so... Good luck. Starting off with hole number four is foul play. So you can find out more details about this particular hole in the first episode of our podcast during design time with Mr. T. But in general, it involves putting through a red barn, potential for a variety of different lies, trying to get yourself over a feather pit on a spinning log. Our two competitors for this hole were Katie, who is a 21-year-old vegetarian chef and potentially not the best hole for her to be playing as a vegetarian, (laughs) up against Amy, a 27-year-old banker with big feet. Katie and Amy both go to the right side, which ends up with them having the costume chicken dumping them off into the drop zone, and they both take some good tumbles on the long, with Amy damn near splitting herself on her fall. It wasn't great putting by either of them at the end, but Amy finally grinds herself out a win, and my whole note for this one was Amy's fans spelling her name wrong with their letter signs, which seems out of like a, something that would have been out of a Will Ferrell college comedy or something like that. So once again, nothing got past the sharp eye of Mr. Rob Riggle. And with that, we wrapped up the first round of the competition and we're on to the fifth hole of the episode, which is Surf and Turf. You can also find out more details about this particular hole in our second episode where Mr. T talked about it during design time. And in short, it features you hitting 
your ball backwards over a big wave and then taking on three water cannons. So here we had Peter, Prince Harry, who enjoyed playing on Uranus, against Scott, the shirtless wonder who survived Volcano. Now, both of them actually had pretty good shots over the wave, leaving them with rather makeable putts. Peter tries to go past the water cannons first, gets absolutely blasted in. Scott goes a little bit quicker, sneaking his way past before the last of the cannons are up. Legal move? We can only say so, because Course Marshal Nick didn't seem to intervene. Either way, leaves Scott hitting his second shot, where Peter was on his third due to the penalty. And unfortunately, Scott beefs his theme that might haunt him later on in the episode as well. Peter pulls his putt left, Scott gets his in to go, and then afterwards we actually start getting some interviews with Sonia due to the runtime and format of this episode, and if you're imagining a shirtless man who just won two holes on Holy Moly talking to a very attractive female host, you would get about the amount of cringe that came through during that particular interview. Luckily, it was followed up by one of our favorite holes, Slip and Putt, which has now been a staple of every episode as it was pretty much in the, the US. Very simple, up the loop hill you go, first one up gets the advantage, then you're back down for the putting. So this semifinal saw our two women trying to make their way to the final. We had Anna who survived Frankenputt and Amy who survived foul play. After a bunch of running and falling, Amy's the first one who gets up, and Anna struggles from the B position, taking two shots to get down. They both basically have the same lie at the end, but Anna blows her putt way past, and Amy finishes off pretty easily, leading to her post-match interview, which goes a little bit better, and she makes it very clear she's choosing winning Holy Moly over love. And that brings us to our finale, and it is preceded by... A weird, awkward date that Amy continues to prioritize her goal of winning the golden putter over the date, which totally makes sense because that Scott guy kind of feels like a bro. And I think Amy would be better off with a golden putter, a cool looking jacket, and potentially winning some money. So we set up our final hole of the episode between Amy and Scott on a brand new hole to this season. The hole is called Clowning Around, and it is only been shown once before on the finale of season two of the United States version of Holy Moly. I hope we see it more, and I definitely want to cover it in a future episode of Design Time with Mr. T to give you a general overview of the hole and how it plays. Without seeing it, it's really hard, but you strap in the putter into a wheel, you get spun around, and then you putt upside down with a magnetic ball onto a fun clown-themed environment. And the environment has a lot going on that I'll definitely be breaking down in design time. The cup is on a spinning raised platform that makes for super tough putting experience. And every time you miss a putt, you get hit by a bunch of clowns with a pie in the face. It's a lot like Franken-Putt in that you're getting punished for every time you miss a putt. So we have some good putting going back and forth. And what we end up setting up is Scott has a chance on the platform after Amy struggles to get up it, which is a really tough little angle to get up on a spinning platform. Scott somehow misses a two foot putt, an extra couple feet setting up another four foot putt. Amy, her putt that finally got up there, she was about a foot out, nailed it in. Scott had a four footer and botched that one again. And Amy takes the prize, the golden putter, the plaid jacket and wins the singles episode of Holy Moly in Australia. 
that's our episode. Okay, so we are on to design time with Mr. T. Hey, that's me. In this episode, we are going to discuss the super challenging Polcano. It debuted in the U.S. on season two, but it was really just a reworking of a structure from season one that was in all of the episode finales. It was Mount Holy Moly. In Mount Holy Moly, you're hitting the ball uphill into different holes that set you up on the green, on the final hole against the two other competitors, every episode of the 10 episodes of season one of Holy Moly. For Polcano, what you do is you hit the ball uphill into a Plinko environment where if you get it down the center, you get a, the pole position and a really, really nice uh, possibility for a hole in one or a hole in two. I don't think they can really get a hole in one on it. Then you also have the other options where the ball can Plinko into either a rough or a hazard. If you make a really, really good putt to the far left and at a good angle, you can get in the pole position and not have to worry about going down the Plinko part. But we've really seen very few people end up hitting in that way. And they were only in season two of the United States so far. The whole volcano is a take on the common Hawaiian theme that you might see across a number of mini golf courses all around. If you've played in the Masters in Myrtle Beach, all of those courses are actually Hawaiian themed as the Detweilers have a real fascination with Hawaiian themed mini golf courses. And they do a great job with having the big volcano and shooting off the fire. And then they have the big tiki pole. And then on the other side of the volcano, you have a little green that has some sand and some more window dressing. It looks really nice. But the, the, the big wild part of this is that you're taking a zip line after you make the first putt, no matter where you go, you're going to have to take the zip line. And the zip line shoots you at a high pace speed at a pole sticking out of the water. I hinted at it in our previous show. I have a unique perspective on this hole because I had an opportunity to actually test out Polcano during season two in the United States. If you watch closely on the episodes in the US, on the intros, you'll see me putting up the Plinko structure and then flying by the pole sideways into the water because I wasn't anywhere close to it. And Neither have most of the competitors. You're going really, really, really fast at that pole. It is incredibly terrifying. Not many people have landed it. And having watched a few extra episodes ahead of where we're at right now with the Australian season, no one's landed it. No one's even really come close. So there's some key differences between the volcano played in Australia and in the United States. The United States version was repurposing Mount Holy Moly and generally was a little bit wider. So it had a much, much wider putting area. And you can kind of tell it when you watch both on TV, you can see how close or far apart people are. I can't tell if the US has a faster zip line in their episode, but in both cases, it's motorized the zip line and fast. It's not just the weight of the person. The putting areas are pretty similar. Although on the other side, what you have set up is the hazard in the rough in addition to the pole position. The hazard is just putting the ball in the sand. The rough in the U.S. episode is just a big, thick patch of turf. In the Australian episode, you have to get it through an additional layer of sand to get it towards the cup. And that gives it a little bit more of a challenge because you're hitting from one surface through another hazard and then on to the turf. So you've seen in this season of Australian holy moly, lots of people just really hitting the ball way too fast past the cup. Overall, there's not really a lot to this hole as far as the putting structure goes and the obstacle itself that you have to take 
to follow the ball to the cup is really, really difficult and kind of not my favorite, if I'm being honest. I'm surprised that they made it somehow even more difficult in Australia. If you look at the poll and the way that people are going at it in the Australian episodes, it's way thicker than the poll that they use the United States episodes. And that was a poll that very few people were landing on it as it as it was. Not really sure what they're going for other than the hits and watching people fly into the water. Feel bad for anybody who's having to play this one. It looks great, but it's kind of scary to play, if I'm being perfectly honest. So that's where I land with Paul Kano. It's a super unique design, nothing like it in the world, and you'll never play down a course anywhere you'll go. All right. And with that, we're on to Riggle's Roast and our best bits of the episode. So I will start off. My favorite thing was Rob Riggle's many names for a mini golf dating app. And to just a name a few, Hole in One, Fairway to Heaven, and my personal favorite, Balls in the Rough. <laughs> Not even subtle in this episode at all. Yeah, this is no reason to be. This is like our first full on, like, I guess for them, it's their PG episode. But yeah, this episode definitely dialed up the the Randy uh, kind of conversations. And I'm not talking about Randy Rice. My favorite wriggle bit from this episode was a little bit more in the theme of love being it a singles episode. And he had this line that he said, they say mini golf can do anything, heal wounds and wars, and even rate well in prime time. But can it create love? Of course it can. And I really liked that. I thought it was really cute. They had an intro with Sir Goff and Lady Gofina walking in with each other, some cute set pieces. And I thought even though the dating theme was kind of a dud, that was a really sweet moment. I also kind of knew that Pat was going to take the dating app line from Riggle because how could you not? And Tom, I mean, to be honest, when it comes to mini golf creating love, I think you and Robin could speak to that quite personally as well. <laughs> yes, indeed. And I might mention that later. All right. Now that we've gotten through our bits and bops of the episode, I'm going to ask you, Tom, what did I miss this go around? You know what? Honestly, not much. Let's move on. <laughs> I like it. All right. Well, it's me asking you stuff still because as our uh, one of our recurring segments, we're doing a Would You Rather? And since you took last episode, I've got a question for you this time around. Um, and this one centers uh, off of Holy Moly a little bit. So, in a dystopian world, if you were given the choice between only being able to play the best mini golf you've ever played once a year, or the worst mini golf you've ever played whenever you want through the year, which one are you picking? Oh man, that is a really tough question. I probably would opt to play the best mini golf once a year, if only because I know that I could make something on my own that would still be serviceable in between. It would be really tough not to be able to play mini golf throughout the year. But yeah, some of those really, really bad courses when they just not well kept up, just lacking some personality or courses that have been just let go are kind of a bummer. It takes you out of the real fun experience of mini golf. So I'm going to go with the best mini golf ever because those experiences just stick with you forever. 
And I would agree. I think the buildup and payoff of being able to play that best one once a year is going to be way better than the frustration uh, mini golf enthusiasts as we are would have playing the worst mini golf we've ever played constantly. (laughs) And now we're on to news of the mini golf world. So for me, given it was recently Valentine's Day when we're recording this, there were actually a lot of mini golf specials out there for lovers. And a unique one that I wanted to point out was at the Lexington, Kentucky Opera House, which has converted itself into a mini golf course. All the live performances are still shut down because of COVID. So I just encourage everybody to kind of keep an eye out locally or pay attention to Putting Penguin or a couple of putts because we tend to post about these things for just cool and interesting mini golf setups near you. Some of these are going to persist into the future, but with the way things are, you may not see some of these ever again in these unique uh, arenas once they go back to doing what their normal day job is. So if you find one, get a chance, go out there play it. Uh, and I thought that one in Lexington was a really cool example of this. And coming in from the other side of the mini golf world, the United States is expecting a new popular UK chain called Putt Shack to enter the US market in 2021. They're originally going to come into the US market in 2020, but pandemic, and they're set to have three locations open up in Oak Brook, Illinois, Miami, and Atlanta in the coming year. And in fact, when I went to their website, Atlanta is currently hiring for a couple of different positions, so I'm guessing they're going to open in the next few months. Those of you that are not familiar with this popular UK chain, what they do is they fuse technology with a lot of pop culture and colorfulness. They don't have a scorecard and they use a digital tracking system that also blends in a point system too. I haven't played one of those courses yet but I'm really eager to check it out. They've been sharing lots of photos over the years of all their courses, and they look like a ton of fun. I was fortunate enough to play the original one over in the UK, and I'll have to say it was one of the most fun group mini golf experiences I've ever had, and am very excited to visit them when they come over here. That's awesome. Yeah, I can't wait and Expect that both of us are probably going to travel to go play one of these three courses that are opening up. My guess is that we'll probably travel from Minneapolis down to Illinois pretty soon. And now to wrap up the show with our last segment, Big Thoughts Mini Golf. In the spirit of the episode in Valentine's Day that just passed, I believe that mini golf is for lovers. Daniel and Allie's first date in the original Karate Kid worked out pretty well for at least that episode. Homer and Marge conceived Bart in the windmill on the course that Homer was working at. And my wife and I had our first date on a mini golf course. In fact, you may not be listening to this podcast if it wasn't for our first date of mini golf. So there you go. Speaking of love, just like people, there's a lot of putters out there. So find one you love and take it to the course with you as much as possible. Don't worry too much about being that person who brings a real putter to a mini golf course. Those who know will know. And with that, we're at the 19th hole. So until next time, but when ready. <laughs>